Hey everyone, welcome to MB Asians. Do you wonder about your career path after MBA? Are you excited yet worried about working in the US? If so, we're here for you. MBA Agents guide you through the crazy MBA world to the workplace by sharing Asian MBA graduate vivid stories and tips. Are you ready? Let's get it! Hi guys, MBA Agent Times. I'm your host, Jay. And I'm Jacob. Today's guest, Erika Wong, is from Visa. Let's welcome her without further ado. Hi, Erika. Hello. Hi, Jay. Hi, Jacob. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. How's your Friday going? Going well. Um, just wrapping up the the work for the week not long ago and uh, looking forward to the weekend. And of course, oh, uh, the well, highlight I is having it. this podcast. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Do you have any specific plan for this weekend? Um, I'm going up to Napa with a few of my MBA classmates tomorrow. So that's fun. And uh, not to get too far ahead of myself, but uh, you guys can see that I'm still keeping in touch with my friends from the MBA program. So that's definitely mm. uh, a plus. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you can enjoy the wine in Napa Valley. It's a good weather to do it right now. And uh, I, I also just got my uh, first dose of vaccine a couple of days ago. So I also felt a lot more comfortable being outside and uh, mingling. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm actually going to take the second dose next week. Oh. Uh, and I'm a little frightened because I heard some symptoms that um, could kind of haunt you after the second dose. Right. Yes, I've been told that uh, you can get fever or, uh, yeah. yeah, so just to be safe, it might happen, yeah. Yeah. So, again, thank you so much for um, taking your Friday afternoon um, being here with us. So, without further ado, uh, maybe we can start by, um, maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit to our audience, talking about where you're from, what's your um, prior experience before MBA, and then which MBA program that you um, came from? Sure. So my name is Erica. Um, I grew up in Hanoi, Vietnam. And uh, in my last year of high school, I had this opportunity to go to Singapore for college. And so um, I left for Singapore. And uh, in total, I spent um, eight years there. I, uh, I did my college, uh, a degree in, in economics with one of the universities in Singapore. And then upon graduation, I, um, I got into a, a niche consulting f- uh, firm um, just really by chance. And uh, I was working on human capital projects, um, which is about rewards and uh, talent development and and so on. And so for the next uh, three, four years, I moved companies um, once, and then I continue kind of working in that human capital consulting space uh, for for a little bit. Um, And then at some point, I think just before my MBA program, which is in 2006, um, I felt that it was a good time for me to pursue the MBA for a few reasons. Um, I think the Graduate study has always been uh, something that I want to do in in the future, um, and I knew that if I were to do it, I would like to do an MBA program um, because uh, number one is that I don't see myself going into the academic route, uh, but number two is that I think the MBA program would provide me with practical skills, and I know that for my career I want to be in the you know the corporate space, and I thought that the MBA would be a good um, 
um, opportunity for me to to learn more and and explore. Um, yeah, so that's that was one of the reasons that I that I wanted to do that. Um, I think some other reasons would be I was looking for uh, like. A, a new opportunity to explore different career options. Uh, I'm interested in moving geography and gaining experience in the U.S. specifically, um, and so I, um, yeah, I made up my mind and I uh, and I took a few months to prepare for that, and I ended up going to Yale for an MBA program, uh, which was uh, definitely one of the highlights of my uh, of my entire experience so far. Um, still think of it very fondly, even after many years. Um, although I have to say that the MBA program is is a bit of a bubble experience, uh, that you had this really intense two years where you are meeting a ton of people, learning a ton. And then once you get out of it, um, you go back to the normal world and then you go back to the, uh, you know, the, the routine uh, daily things and, and it's different and it felt uh, like it's been a long time since, uh, but certainly uh, still take a lot of the uh, good memories uh, from that, that MBA experience. Um, yeah. So upon graduation, I moved to the Bay area and I, uh, and I started working for visa. And I think t- to your question, Jason's uh, currently I'm working at uh, visa consulting and analytics. And you can think of that as uh, the payment advisory armed um, under visa. And a lot of people know visa for, you know, it's role in the, payment system, the credit card, and, and things like that. Uh, but not everyone knows that it has other lines of uh, businesses as well. And and my team is, is one of those less known um, areas that is growing uh, very fast and, yeah, and, and was um, a good opportunity for me overall. I'm happy to sp- speak about that a bit more later. I'm glad to hear that you have a really, exper- really great experience in your MBA experience and then like you got everything because you want to do corporate experience after MBA and and also you want to stay in US and now you are working at Visa in the US so I think you got a lot of a lot things from your MBA program so if you don't mind can I ask why what aspects of Visa did appeal to you when you did your recruiting during your MBA period Right. Um, and I would have to say that uh, I think it makes a lot of sense in hindsight. Um, but uh, what one thing I've learned is that the recruiting experience um, plays out very differently for for everyone. And so uh, when you look back, it could, it could seem like a pretty straightforward part, but it wasn't the case. And, and it was certainly the case for me. Um, I think I was I came into the MBA with a management consulting background, but I was um, in human capital, so it wasn't clear to me what I wanted to um, to do afterwards. And I remember even writing in my application that maybe I'll move to finance and I would uh, work in banking and so on. Um, so disclaimer to um, I think what you wrote in your application and and everything it changes over time <laughs> and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I don't definitely. want the school to go up to me for that, but I think it's a known fact that um, that the MBA is really a journey. And so as I get into the and as as I got started at Yale and looking at the different options, um, I think uh, with the MBA program you have a lot going on, and sometime at the beginning it it can feel like drinking from a fire hose and you have so many options but at the same time the expectation is that you hit the ground running right and you um 
and you pursue different opportunities and so on. Um, at least for me in the first year, consulting was something that I wanted to get into. And by consulting, I'm talking about uh, the MBB, which is a pretty popular part for uh, MBA students. Uh, ended up doing an internship in that uh, in that REM for sure. And it was a great learning for me. Um, and I went back to Asia to do that internship, actually. Uh, but in my second year, I thought that uh, given my my goal for the MBA program, which is to gain experience um, in the U.S., and uh, I think one thing that I haven't mentioned is that I I was short of a journalist uh, for my pre-MBA experience, um, but after my MBA, I was interested in going into a specific industry. I wanted to uh, to learn the subject matter um, knowledge. And so um, the road visa came to me also by chance. Um, I, I had a friend who worked there and interned there um, in the team and, and learned that they have this um, sort of relatively young consulting and analytics team that uh, for the most part works like a payment advisory arm. So you can think of the equivalent is uh, like a payment practice in, in another traditional consulting firm. Um, however, is it is also, um, it has a payment focus and is, is very much sitting within the visa uh, umbrella. So that was interesting for me because on one hand, I can use my consulting background and, um, and use some of my prior knowledge and skills. I, I wouldn't have to start from scratch and definitely nothing wrong with starting from scratch, but uh, you know, having some baseline to, to start off with is, is always um, a good thing. Uh, but secondly, the payment aspect, uh, the payment focus of that really appealed to me because that's, that's, that's where I wanted to be uh, for the long term. And I thought that being at Visa and, and uh, would expose me to the knowledge uh, and, to the ecosystem, and yeah, and and I've been here for about two years, and still feel that it uh, it is a very vast space uh, with a lot of things happening. Um, for example, you're seeing uh, the line between technology and banking and a financial institution getting blurry. Um, you are seeing new players, um, and you learn something new every day. Is uh, it takes time, and I and I'm still nowhere near. Uh, being an expert in anything yet, uh, but I think that's something that really appealed to me. Yeah, I think that's fantastic to hear that you kind of everything worked out for you. When you're looking back, everything just makes sense to you. I mean, that's how I feel when I'm applying for MBAs. Like, all right, now I have to kind of draw down like all my past experience and make all this kind of make sense so that a school would want me. Um, but like you say, somehow actually. It, it just worked out like every every decision you make um in the past kind of lead to lead you to like where you now currently um so you so you said that you, you actually worked for a um management consulting firm and also now you're more like a consulting but in a corporate so i want to ask you um in terms of this kind of two role what's the main difference besides um, besides like for working for Visa, you have a very specific area that you focus on. But other than that, maybe working style or lifestyle. What's yeah, I would say there are a lot of similarities and also some um, nuances. So similarity would be you are still working with a, uh, in a client-facing role, which means that you interact with your clients, uh, you're working on 
project. Um, so it's a very project-based um, nature, right? Which means that you have a, a limited amount of time to figure out a certain scope of work and you need to come up with a plan to tackle that and then you work with the client. Um, and at some point you would... Um, complete that project and you move on to the next one. Uh, but there are some of the nuances for sure. And uh, I, can, I can go through a few of them. Um, so number one is, uh, like I said, is, is more of a payment uh, focused and sitting within the visa umbrella. And so, um, so what that means is that I'm working with clients that have already had some sort of relationship with the visa um, brand. And, um, and so when I work with them, it's really not just to... Um, not just to to help them think through a business problem, but also think about how can Visa help them, um, right, to improve and to do it better. And uh, and so sometimes it could be things like uh, improving your marketing capabilities or thinking through how you could do your digital transformation in a more effective way, or even things like um, if you recall, the name of my team is consulting and analytics. So we use uh, data and analytics a lot. Um, and so one thing about Visa is that they uh, we have the transaction database that is probably one of the biggest in the world. And so on a day-to-day basis, I actually work with data scientists a lot uh, because one of our value proposition is that uh, with the data and the analytics capabilities, I can um, I can look at the data and come up with a lot of insights for for for, you, for the clients. And and I have access to a very powerful transaction database, uh, which, if you can imagine, uh, can tell you a lot about your cons- consumer behaviors. It can also tell you about mm-hmm. not just not just individual consumer behavior, but like the macro trend, right? Like if I look into how transactions uh, in the U.S. is moving during COVID, I can I can come up with pretty good insights around different industries and so on. Um, so that aspect of working with a data scientist is definitely something quite unique to to this team um, compared to other consulting firms. Um, yeah, another another difference that I have seen is that we have um, we have a, a pretty long relationship with a partner. Uh, what I mean by that is that, uh, as I said, they are already having some relationship with Visa. So when I work with a client, I'm not looking at just the next three months, even though that is um, the, mm. the 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 length of my project. I'm looking at a few years down the road because. I wanted to build a relationship for um, for them uh, with Visa, and and it's, it's usually is a very long term relationship. And so I have seen that with a client, I can be working on you know like ten different projects over the years. Um, and uh, yeah, and then the last difference is that I travel less. So uh, I mean, with COVID, it becomes less important. Uh, but even even pre COVID, I think. Um, we got really comfortable working with the, with the clients over the phone, um, and our team is also quite distributed. Our headquarters is in uh, is in San Francisco for sure, um, and and also in Foster City. Uh, but the team also sits in um, um, New York, Chicago. Um, Washington DC and and we also have a lot of people that are just telecommuters so they sit around the clients and so on and so uh, long story short it means that we were pretty comfortable working virtually and I don't have um, a timeline where I um, fly out on Monday and then fly back on, on Thursday so no such thing I travel maybe once every few months although of course a disclaimer is that it really depends on the title project and so sometimes you do have to um, spend a lot of time on the client side. Yeah, I mean, um, before I started MBA, my previous work requires travel, but it's like maybe once a month. 
And I think that's a good because sometimes it just kind of get you out of the office and kind of feel refreshed and it's nice. But like you have to travel every week, it's just a little too much. I mean, some people like it, but um, I'm not that right. Kind of I think person. it's definitely a, a personal um, preference, and uh, traveling can be great, but uh, yeah, it really depends on where you where you are <laughs> in your life and what you want. Yeah, and you, you kind of touched a little bit on. What did you do? Like you work with uh, sci- uh, data scientists a lot, uh, but I want to double click on that. Um, so the app asking you, like, what's your day to day life looks like? If you can give us more kind of detail. Sure, um, absolutely. So I tend to think of my day to day as uh, maybe like three, four different buckets. So uh, and usually I will be on a project because as uh, someone coming from the MBA, I would be. Uh, essentially a project manager uh, equivalent on, on an engagement, uh, which means that I'm responsible for executing um, that project plan and making sure that things are moving according to, um, you know, timeline. So um, one part of my day-to-day is uh, working with the clients. So I talk to them, I run different meetings and uh, workshops and, uh, you know, activities that, that can help us uh, make progress. And, um and it really depends on um, like, like the timeline. So, for example, if I'm working on um, a process improvement um, exercise with client, uh, then what it means is that I really am more of a facilitator and I need to talk to my clients a lot to understand what they are doing because it is their processes and I don't have, right? It's not an outside in type of work. It's really working with you, facilitating the team and brainstorming together and really helping them to synthesize what to do. Um, But then there would be other kind of work where you can be a little bit more independent. So let's say if I'm doing a more data-driven uh, type of work, then I can I can work with our data scientists um, to come up with recommendation and we come to the client and we do a presentation and, and read out. So that's one, one part of my day-to-day, working with clients, running activities, talking to them, mm-hmm. talking over emails, um, phones, so on. Um, the second part of my work is really working internally. So before I, I go to the client, and I usually we work in small team, um, and which is a pretty standard practice in consulting. Uh, but then, which means that we that I have to collaborate with other people to you know come up with um, with um, what to do, and so it can play out in a few ways. Uh, Sometimes is um, working with my analysts and delegate and coach and provide support for them uh, because uh, the analyst would be more responsible for the direct analysis and like hypothesis testing um, or content creation, for example. Um, Another part of that is is giving update and uh, brainstorming and like problem solving with uh, my my senior leaders or my you know senior mm-hmm. uh, project manager. And by problem solving, sometimes it it just uh, you know doing anything that can move things forward. Um, and like even thinking through how to approach a problem because uh, with any client you can have a a different you know context a different organizations and and you need to to have a different approach um, a way for you to uh, to break down their their us into more manageable pieces. So we do that. We do internal problem solving. We do working session. We do review. Um, 
internally before we come to the client. And then another bucket, which is uh, to me is the last one, is really doing the work myself. So as um, as a, a consultant, I still do a lot of the uh, hand, hands-on analysis. Uh, sometimes I do a lot of reading on subject matter um, to gain to understand that new content. Uh, maybe I interview the experts within Visa to, to catch myself up on a certain topic. Um, or maybe I produce content. So like working on slides and like white paper and even just like thinking through um, what to do next or working on some internal development um, initiatives. So that last bucket is more like my own time and doing my own work. Uh, but as you can see, um, there's a lot of collaboration and, and every day can be a little bit different depending on um, where you are in the project, what kind of problems you're working on, what kind of challenges or um, you know things that you need to uh, to finish. Thank you for sharing the details like the three buckets, clients, internal, and work by yourself. And I think this is a good time to ask this question. So as far as I understand, you work at Singapore like almost four to five years. And after your MBA period, you got a job in USA, and then you are working at, at Visa almost two to three years. And I think you can now compare not role-specific, but culturally, do you find any difference between working in Singapore and working in USA? Sure. And uh, I think that's a really good question, um, worth reflecting on. Um, and of course, I think the disclaimer is that it, it really varies by companies as well. And so one thing that I've learned is that is that even in the US, if you work at a startup versus a more, you know, a bigger company, um, the culture as well as um, the velocity of, uh, you know, the speed, uh, how fast you move, it can vary. Um, and yeah, but from my experience, I think maybe there are a few things that stood out for me. Um, I think that Singapore is, is definitely a, a wonderful professional environment. And so, uh, and is, um, I think a lot of people think of Singapore as uh, the bridge between, um, you know, Asia and and other parts of the world because it's still functioning very much like, um, um, like an advanced corporate environment. But at the same time, you have a, a lot of Asian uh, flavors and, you know, clients and businesses and, and growth opportunities there. Um, one thing that I noticed is that I think the U.S. Uh, corporate environment is very professional and uh, and there's a lot of uh, respect uh, or boundary that is given to your individuality. So you guys are probably aware even from your MBA program as well that there's a lot of respect given to the uh, diversities and and things that, um, you know, that, that are individual specific. Um, at Visa, for example, we do have a lot of um flexibility that are given to um, like work-life balance for example which is which is good and so for example I was able to um, to be flexible and work around the schedules especially during COVID um, and and yeah and so I think that's one thing that stood out for me um, in comparison I think Singapore is, is similar in that sense is uh, it's also very professional but one thing back then for me was that it was uh, it was pretty um, common for for me to have like like a like a friendship having lunch break with my uh, colleagues back in Singapore. So one thing that I, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. if it's true across countries, but lunchtime is a highly respected uh, uh, the, you know the schedule 
back in Singapore, and it's quite common that you would go out with your colleagues and and you would uh, socialize, and and it's an important part of, of your working experience, right? Because that's where you uh, you gain insight, you learn about the organization more. Um, at least in my current job right now, is it is less so. It's more up to you, and everyone can do uh, their own thing, and there's less of an um, the norm that you have to to adhere to, but I think what that means for me is is that, and you guys probably also know that networking is is such an important uh, thing. And in the MBA program, we we were told to pay a lot of attention to that. And I certainly think that in the in, in the professional environment here, that is also important. Uh, but what I found is that it's really up to you more, right? Because there's less of that uh, structure where you can <laughs> take an example again, um, go to lunch with your colleagues. It's really up to you more. And I think that uh, that goes into a, a bigger topic that I think there's, you can, ha- you can uh, take ownership of your own career and your experience a lot. So at my team, for example, we have been growing really fast and we have like new people coming in, um, like the team side double almost every year or two um, and we see that uh, different offices in the US so it could be easy for me to say that I that I have a project that I am working on this thing and just finish my work and be content with it uh, but for me to really know what the team is up to how the organization is uh, is growing and learning more about things that are beyond my immediate um, topic of, of expertise, then I have to take that into my own uh, my own hands and really be comfortable reaching out more often. Um, yeah, that's something that I certainly feel that, um, that you have more control, but also more flexibility uh, here in the U.S., and it works greatly for a lot of people, but maybe, you know, for certain, for a certain set of people, um, uh, us, we uh, would need some sort of adjustment to 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 move into that mindset that is really up to me. And if I want to build a network or, or learn more about a topic, uh, I need to go out there and make it happen. I also had a one fun story about the lunchtime. So I'm from Korea and most of, <laughs> I wouldn't say all company, but most of companies in Korea, they have a specific lunchtime. So like when the time comes, everyone just go out together and having lunch together, which is really normal for me. And then I came here two years ago and one of my friends who's not in Ross program, but who came here, he's my he's my friend in Korea, but he got a job in the United States and he's working in Atlanta right now. But one shocking thing for me was he never, not never, but he normally rarely eat lunch at company. So I asked him, like, right. what? But how can you work without lunch? And he said, just I do not eat lunch and I just, I can finish my work earlier than others. So I asked him, like, what about your colleagues? And he said, just everyone has an individual schedule about lunch. So there's not many people like who are going out for lunch together, which is a little bit shocking to right. me. Yeah, it was a really fun <laughs> Yeah, so certainly I think I can really relate to that, and it's it's a very small, uh, right, you know, like example. But what it what it means is that you know there's just more diversity and more focus on the individuality and and your way of being here. Um, so it could be it means that you have a lot of flexibility, but it could also be a bit challenging for you to navigate if you uh, have the expectation that there's some sort of you know structure or. Um, you know, cadence to to gain that uh, gain, gain those 
yeah, relationships. Yeah, I think speaking on that, like this topic, I actually have one question. So in at least in Taiwan, I'm not sure other company, well, at least in my company, previous company, um, not just a launch, but like in a social kind of um, environment, um, people tend to try to socialize with their manager because those are the person who um, decide whether you get promoted. So I think it's kind of important to make that connection, um, build that relationship with your manager. And lunch is definitely part of it. Like people hanging out with the, you know, bosses go out for, for lunch. Um, but that's kind of how I see the, how important the lunch is. Sometimes it can be played str- <laughs> strategically. Um, but I guess my question is, I, I feel like a lot of company, especially in US, they're, you're like you're, future, your promotion not decided by only your manager, but from your peers and other other like stakeholders. I guess they kind of tone down this kind of relationship um, between you and the managers. Right. If, yeah. I, I think again is it uh, again is really depends on the companies, but I uh, I would I could relate to um, a lot of things that you just said. Um, but like for example if you work at and and I um, I should spend a lot of time looking into the tech industry because before I joined Visa, I was also very interested in uh, technology companies of any size. And so I was looking at startups. I was mm-hmm. looking not just in payment, but across um, other industries as well. So if you work at a startup, for example, then um, it's a very close knit and you would probably spend um, a lot of time with your colleagues, probably more than <laughs> you should, but uh, but that's a very close knit yeah. environment, right? So in a in a bigger corporation, on the other hand, uh, it has more structure, but then you also see that more flexibility more flexibility is given to people and more. Um, uh, you know, like allowance for families and, and hobbies and things outside of your um, uh, working immediate working environment. Um, yeah, so at least in my in my uh, experience, I would uh, I would agree with what you said. I think promotion and everything um, it it depends on the company's policy, uh, but by and large, is about uh, knowing that you have uh, performed at the next level. You have uh, you have built a sort of a personal brand. And that is a different topic that, that we can touch on later. Uh, but I think I alluded mm-hmm. to it a little bit earlier that that is more ownership given to you around how you want to manage your career, right? There could be, um, there could be organizations where you just need to do your job and you can you can be recognized just by by virtue of doing a good job and getting to the next level, but then there are also also organizations that valued um, value others skill set that you bring, such as not just your own expertise, but how you work with people, how do you coach and bring other people along with you, and and that that might be something that is important for them to promote you to the next level. Um, there are organizations that they would, you know, sit down together at the end of the year and do a talent review, and they would bring up a, your case, and people would would talk about it, and 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 so you in those cases it means that not only is your manager's point of view important, it's also the 
feedback and they call it 360 degree feedback from different stakeholders that you work with mm-hmm. are equally important. Um, and so I think what, what that means for us is uh, not to feel like there's uh, no blueprint to be successful, but to pay to pay attention to how your organization uh, does their promotion and development, right? And I think the MBA, that's, that's actually one of the things that the MBAs prepares you to do, which I think you guys will get to it later. Uh, but like when you join, you wanted to know um, your team well, uh, you pick you pick an organization, not just for, um, you know, like the pay or anything, but also on whether you think it will be a good fit for you culturally. And then when you first join the company, you spend quite a bit of time trying to get to know people, uh, talking to people, learning about the experience and learning about like, how these organizations get things done and how do they promote their people. Mm-hmm. Do they promote from within? Do they have a more, um, you know, like a more, um, what would be the right word for it? Some companies allow you to apply for roles. So like given the responsibility mm-hmm. more to you, or do they go from a more, um, um, you know, like directed more by um, the higher ups? So that's something to learn about, something to keep in mind, and certainly something you, you would love, you would probably want to uh, spend a lot of time learning about especially as you start a new new job in any new organizations yeah <clears throat> those are those are really great um, great points um, so now I want to ask you because you have been in visa for um, over two years and if you you know looking back like when you start just first join the company I want to ask you what do you f- like during the time at the time what's the most challenging part of your of your role and then um by like you know for for it has been like two years how do you kind of over overcoming those challenges right um i would say i think getting into a new company um definitely there's a lot of um you know anxiety and and learning about new industry and um everyone's is going to be a little bit different um in my case it's really uh, learning about the payment industry and being able to um, to be effective and create some impact because um, at least in my line of work, uh, it's pretty clear when you are not being effective, right? You're given a project and you're running it, and uh, if the, if if it's running well and the client is is happy and you're producing work that are meaningful, it's pretty clear. Uh, but if you are in a you know a challenging project when things are falling behind and uh, things are not getting um, and not moving along, um, then you would see that. So for me, um, the change in mindset that I have had to, uh, to, to, to make, which I think the MBA was helpful for me, is to uh, adopt a more, um, I call it a bit of a more test and learn approach. So what I mean by that is that I go into a new project mm-hmm. and I really know nothing, right? Um, and I'm working with mm-hmm. people that I don't know yet, but I try to be more proactive. Actually, that's, that's a better word to say. So like taking ownership and be proactive so instead of having people ask me uh, to do things and uh, you know like give, getting instructions, um, trying to do things and and getting it wrong at the beginning um, in order in order for me to learn fast, so I can learn uh, what works well with a certain um, set of you know like stakeholders, for example, um, or uh, what do my stakeholders care about? Um, that's something that I that I am. Um, that I started learning uh, pretty early on in in my role, um, yeah. And then uh, what else would be interesting? So I mentioned about like, learning about a new industry, so like, doing reading on your own, uh, asking a lot of questions at the beginning, uh, but also not being afraid to 
to raise your hand and and proposing different things. Um, so, for example, when we go into a with a new client and they have a very Um, very vague and, and broad questions, right? Such as, how do I double my business in the next two years? I'm just making that up. Um, you may not really know anything about that industry or or the client yet, but you could come in and say, well, from from my understanding so far, I think here are some of the steps that we can do in order to learn about them or in order to come up with a few um, ideas and, and hypotheses uh, that we can test. And so being able to, you know, let's still facilitate that conversation uh, and not having to be the best or the smartest person in the room, uh, I think is, is important. Um, yeah. And then, I, I mean, my team is, is growing quite fast. And like I said, things can move uh, pretty quickly. And there's not as much of a structure and organization uh, at the beginning. And what I mean by that is uh, if you go to a very, you know, like a very... Um, strong and have been an organization that, that has been around for a long time, they might have a lot of structures uh, down to the T, such as how do you do training? How do you track your progress? Uh, what are the tools that you use on a daily basis? Uh, for, a, for a younger organization, uh, there's less of that, uh, but it, it also means that you have more uh, flexibility about what you want to learn. So sometimes it's like raising your hand and say, I'm really interested in a new trend such as uh, crypto, for example. Can I uh, organize something? Can I uh, help with some proposals? Can I develop, uh, you know, join some people and develop some thought leadership? And I, I must say that these are advices that I should um I should practice more often. So I have to say that uh, I'm not like the best person at doing that. Uh, but yeah, I think definitely depending on the life stage of your organizations, um, there's there's certain things that you will need to to figure out and see uh, which angle you can contribute to. Um, and it could be developing something new or working with a different team um, and a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, Um, really good, um, I say, kind of re um, tips because, you know, proactive taking initiative, I think those are really important no matter where you're at. I mean, even now in the MBA or like you in the working environment, I think that's always important. Um, but I wanted to kind of touch a little bit um, maybe your identity as an international um, employee. So I feel like Even though I, I know like a lot of companies in the U.S., Visa um, probably as well um, have a lot of um, diversity um, with a lot of people coming from different country. But I'm assuming like still like with you, when you sit in the office, I think most people surrounding you were probably white. Um, this is how I imagine. So I was wondering like, do you ever see yourself like feel, I don't know, like challenging working with most mostly like Caucasian or, you know, even from people from other, other races, like other. other yeah. Country. I think in an, in a diverse environment, uh, I think first of all, diverse teams are just more fun, I think. And, uh, uh, luckily, unluckily, I think my team is relatively diverse and, uh, and we have international MBAs coming from different countries, um, around the world. So that's definitely a plus. Um, but yes, I think that's a, that's a valid question and it's a challenge working in a diverse team for sure. Um, and I think there's a few, 
few parts to them, and and uh, but it but they all boil out to the to to uh, one thing for me, which is uh, your self awareness, and uh, I think what I mean by that is like understanding your strengths, uh, but also your dispositions and some of the weaknesses, um, or even like stereotypes that you can that that you might be subject to, um, and so. And again, this, uh, some of this can be uh, gross uh, generalization, but you know some of the um, uh, common perceptions as being associated with with Asian uh, is that we are we are thoughtful and we are you know logical, but we are not as vocal and uh, we don't speak our minds mm-hmm. because you know things like that. And so uh, definitely good to be aware of it. I think the good news is that a lot of organizations are trying to to you know help you be more comfortable and diversity is is definitely uh celebrated in in a lot of the organizations um but yes but going back to my point around self-awareness i think um in my client facing role um i certainly at least compared to my previous self before the MBA, I feel like I came in knowing more about uh, what I'm good at and what I'm not as good at. So, for example, I know that I'm um, that I'm comfortable with like analysis. I love talking to people who work in data, even if I'm not a data scientist. And so, I I have a, a great time just collaborating on those um, those topics. Uh, but on the flip side, I know that I'm more of an introverted uh, person, which means that like social events uh, give me some sort of anxiety. And but I think the great news is that the MBA program sort of prov- prepare us to do that, right? And the all of the things I remember about yeah. the small talk is a big deal and things like that. Uh, back in the MBA program, I I was sort of going through that with emotion, uh, you know, going through the motion, and I was like, well, okay, whatever. Uh, but I, I do certainly feel like with the MBA, at least I have those two years to prepare myself to be more adaptable. So in terms of your strengths, like adaptability um, is certainly something that I think uh, we can play to uh, because as an MBA by nature, you have been exposed to a lot of um, experiences. You are very comfortable work, jumping into a topic and a new piece of work and not being an expert in it. So I think that's something that's great. Uh, but yeah, but on, on the weaknesses, uh, absolutely, I still feel like there are things that I can improve on every day. Um, so things like down to communication, right? And communication is, is important. Um, well, kind of wherever you go and the higher up you become in a in a corporate career, for example, the more that you are not creating results yourself, you're asking other people to do it. And so uh, I've certainly, uh, I mean, again, still I'm not the best at that, but um, pay a lot more attention around like, how I uh, how I talk to um, my stakeholders and my clients. I spend a lot of time preparing for meetings, for example, because uh, if if I'm not a native speaker, I want to make sure that I that I have to be crystal clear in my message because my chance of uh, getting people confused is just higher. And like, and so sometimes you can look at people that are just much better than you at you know saying the same thing, but they're a lot more articulate and they use exact uh, wording or like the right way to say and you're just like, wow, I really don't know you can say that. Um, so not too different from the MBA program, for example, but what I'm saying is that it's, um, it's, it's an ongoing learning that you pay attention to. Um, so I think I touched on communications. Um, yeah, another one that I want to touch on is, I think, and it goes back to the, you know, 
common perception around Asians, for example, uh, is that at least for me before the MBA, I didn't think too much around um, how how I how I come across uh, to people in terms of my personal brand. And what I learned is that in the U.S. is is first of all something uh, personal advocacy and building your your own brand is not just important; it's is uh, highly encouraged and. And sometimes in, in some Asian culture, it can it can come across a bit unnatural, right? That if I'm Jason and Jay, mm. and I'm talking about my achievements, it can feel a little bit like a humble bragging. Um, but one thing that I've learned is that here, it, you should be speaking about that, obviously in a in a nice way, and uh, but you should feel comfortable communicating what you have done and and communicating your impact because uh, a lot of times, especially in a large organizations, if you don't do that, nobody is gonna, you know, like you are the one responsible for advocating for yourself, um, and and yeah, and it can come in 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 different formats. Of course, it could be contributing to. The organization, it could be like you guys are doing right now, um, external activities like podcasts. Uh, but but I certainly uh, learn a lot from like, how my peers are building up their personal brand um, so that when people think of them, they think about, okay, he or she or, or they are really good at certain things. Maybe you are an excellent communicator. Maybe you are an excellent relationship builder. Uh, maybe you are a payment enthusiast. And those um, perceptions would help you uh, further along, not just in your, in your day-to-day, but really in how you see yourself uh, like many years down the line, and again, I'm I'm nowhere near <laughs> being perfect in that, but just but just knowing that building your personal brand is something that that is up to you. Uh, I think is a liberating, but also um, a bit of a challenging t- uh, proposition to take on as an international or an, an Asian MBA graduate. I think I have I might have wrong definition of introvert because. The way you communication with us today and everything you share with us, like, I feel like you are extrovert. And funny thing is, like, last week, we also got a guest and she also mentioned she is kind of really introvert. But the way I feel about her was really extrovert. Like, she was really enthusiastic about having communication with us. And now, now I think maybe MBA program or U.S. culture like changes people from introvert to extrovert i don't know just this is my feeling or ambivert yeah i think what it helps is with adaptability and so in my case for example um i'm fairly comfortable on a small group basis so this is perfect for me but i'm also fully aware that when the the room becomes like 10 people or more i get really nervous right and uh, and that i don't think that's going to go away uh but it it also means that I recognize uh, the tendency and that I would get nervous in front of a large crowd. So maybe I prepare for it. Maybe I tell myself that it's really just my reaction to the crowd and, and, and it's all right. Um, yeah, so in uh, and I think it's going to be the same with you guys. But one thing that I think adaptability, mm-hmm. I think, is, is uh, helpful. And uh, the MBA program is definitely one of the training uh, experience for that. So before going to next bucket, I have a silly question. So when we talk about the challenges part, challenging questions, you mentioned that like proactively asking a lot about the new project and taking the ownership is really good way 
to adapt new work. But I think it's possible when you have an interest in your project. But what if you don't, right. you don't, you are not that much interested in some project, but you have to lead the project. How do you handle, how would you handle that situation? Right. Um, I mean, that's a great question. I think, um, I think for, for once, what I hope is that when you decide on an organization that, that you are going to join, um, you find a good fit in terms of, uh, you know, culturally and even the industry and the topic that, that you are passionate about, that'd be helpful. Uh, but to your question about projects, I think how, how I think about that is that um, there's usually something new that you can learn from it. So for example, the, um, the topic can be the same, such as uh, I'm making it up, but uh, you know, like payment experience for a consumer, for example. Uh, but with a new with a new project, you can maybe you can, and and that's actually one of the exercises that we do at the beginning as well, is to think about your goal for that project. So maybe for my goal for the next project is not really um, learn learning about the domain knowledge, but it's more around I wanted to be better at client communications. All right. Or like I want to have, uh, maybe I want to try to um, run meetings that are that are with a higher level clients. Because if I'm f- facing an executive in an American corporation, I don't know how that's like, and it must be interesting. Um, so that's one kind of goal you can think of. Another type of goal is, like I said, is that I usually, at least for me, uh, I don't work alone. And so I work with other people. So sometimes my interest can be learning about a different domain knowledge. So it's like same same thing, but I want to be really good at understanding the data science flow. I want to know what do they do on a daily basis. So for example, if they tell me that they spend, they need two weeks to clean up the data, I really want to know what it means because as a business person, I may not know that. So I would go in and see, ah, you need to uh, to do the ETL process. You need to not just extract the data, but you need to to check for it. Then you need to do, you know, like many of the other different steps. So that, that can be another goal for me to, um, to think about. So I would say, uh, so the, I think the short answer is that uh, you could probably uh, be prepared for it, but have uh, a couple of goals at the beginning that that could be different for any projects. Or maybe, you know, it could be an exactly the same project, but maybe your goal is that you want to be known as an expert in this space. And and you're going to use this project as a case study so you can develop, you know, a thought leadership. You can run some training session for people around you. So I, I think if you look... Um, Careful enough, there'll be some aspect of it that you can learn from. Uh, but of course, uh, I think not everything is rosy. You ch- certainly there'll be like the challenges as well, and uh, and uh, adapting along the way uh, is also important because what you plan for it um, before you get started versus what you ended up doing uh, could be very different. I got it. So let's talk about the MBA. So I already knew about you getting a lot of things from MBA program. So I can feel, I, I can definitely feel you love your MBA program and you got a lot of valuable things from that. But if you can go back to the same period, what would you do differently during your MBA period? 
Right. And uh, I think this is a great question that I'm sure um, you guys have in your minds a lot, right? And <laughs> and I mean, I've also have spoken to, um, you know, like candidates before they, they go into the MBA program and they'll be like, so what do you think about your MBA after, after that? And I'm like, mm, it's, it's kind of hard to say. You have to go through it. And I think as you guys are in your second year now, looking back, you probably have seen um You know, there's a certain thing that that uh, the people told you at the beginning, but then it didn't make sense to you until uh, you came out to the other side, right? So, uh, but at least for me, I think the MBA, uh, what I like about it is that it's an it's an investment on our part. It's expensive. It's uh, two years of your life, but it's it's also um, it's also like um, a a two years where you can um, explore and and it's a is a journey and you can uh, build your profile and your you know again different experiences um, and and so I think going back I certainly felt I have a lot of good experiences uh, but I'll try to be a bit more direct at answering your questions um, I think one thing that I would love to do more is uh, maybe to to do a bit more experiential learning and I, I certainly did that and did my internship and everything uh, but one thing that I realized is that at the end of the day um, experience gets you more experience so rather than being perfect um, doing more more things um, and as as uh, practical and real life as possible would be great. And if I'm not wrong, I think that uh, your school, Ross, I think it has a really good experiential learning program, if I remember correctly. Uh, so that that is a good opportunity that I uh, definitely w- would do more if I were to go back. Um, yeah, another thing that I would would uh, think about is to is to have. Um, you know, a goal in mind, but think about my one year or two years in the MBA program as a way for me to build a portfolio for it. So like, for example, a lot of us uh, look into a new industries and can feel a bit overwhelmed uh, about and, and figure out that, oh, I don't have this set of experience. And that means it's going to be hard for me to get into um, that particular industry. And that's especially true, I think, with tech, tech industry. Um, so an example would be like product management, which is a pretty hot roles uh, for a lot of MBAs around here, but people usually say that you need to be a PM before you can be a PM, uh, right? Uh, but you can use that two years, those two years to to um, to think through how you can build a portfolio and, and start smaller. Um, so things like I have seen a lot of my friends using the internship as more like a, like a testing bed where you can try out something new. So um Even like instead of going for really big names, for example, and nothing wrongs with uh, nothing wrong with uh, going with going to a big names uh, like my McKinsey internship is definitely very valuable to me. But I have also seen a lot of my friends who chose to go to really small companies where they know that they would have more flexibility. They may not even know. Um, you know, may not even get paid that well, but they would have uh, a, a better chance of shaping the experience. So like someone who really wants to do PM can go and work at a startup and your title can can be anything. But during that summer, you can choose to work on the more PM-related tasks. So if, if you think about that product management, they usually have a few things like um 
product sense, uh, analytics, understanding engineering, um, understanding product design a little bit. And so maybe you think that I don't have any any exposure to product design, but in my internship and my role has nothing to do with product design, but I'm going to venture out and, and ask for that title experience. And so if you think about that as building your portfolio for that role, then you can start seeing experiences that would help you get a little bit closer there instead of going by the title, right? And instead of going by, it, um, by the pay. Um, so that's something that I definitely would be more interested in. I think it worked out pretty well for me at the end. Uh, but if I had a, a slightly different goal in my first year, I would have um, considered like, oh, organization that I really don't know anything about them, but I think it's interesting and it can give me some exposure to uh, this career path that I thought would be interesting. Um, yeah, another thing that is a bit more uh, personal is that I think I, I ended up working in the US. Uh, in my first year, I didn't know where I want to be. And so I went back to uh, to Asia um, and it was great for me, but it also helped me to, uh, to make up my mind that maybe I wanted to experience working in the US before going back to, to Asia um, at some point in the future if I, if I decide to do so. Um, so maybe in my internship, I, I would have considered working in the US um, because I think um, domain knowledge is something that you can learn, but if you, if you have a, a particular idea about working in a certain geography, uh, such as working in the U.S., it might be helpful for you to uh, to gain that experience early on. Um, yeah, and then I think I think the last thing is is definitely just you know like taking my time and enjoying the experience um, because with the MBA, sometimes we get really uh, paralyzed by expectations and like, I have a lot of options, <laughs> but I also don't know where I'm going and I have zero idea where I'm going. Um, and uh, but the reality is that after two years, you can come to a conclusion that is very different from your initial expectation. And the only way that you can find out is to do something. And recruiting for tech industry, for example, I think um, for me, a saying that makes a lot of sense is that you try to throw a bunch of things to the world and try to see what sticks. And, and to me, the MBA is, is very much like that, um, like getting out there, uh, trying out different things, do some work, uh, take some internship, not just in the summer, but even like during your program um, and seeing seeing what you like. Or even if you, you don't find what you like, at least you find things that you don't like. And that helps you with the, yeah. with the elimination process. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think all everything you say, which is really the valid point, like, it's really important for a newcomers that who are about to start their MBA. But to us, me and Jay, uh, we wish we knew that earlier. Uh, All right. <laughs> we're kind of at a stage like we're regretting that we should do this more. We should, you know, try something yeah, different. I, but. I think that's a feeling that is um, ever present with you, though, because it's just so much you can do, right, in an MBA program. That and and this. Uh, what I would could say that that uncertainty of is not going to go away. Um, so even for me, like recruiting, uh, I think I didn't tell you guys just yet. But uh, after I, I graduated, I actually didn't have a job on my hands yet, and so a lot of my friends were off to, you know, preparing for their next move to this to a new city or traveling or doing things before that. And I was still recruiting, and so I think, and that's I think is especially true for the international MBA community um, because we had a 
somewhat of a challenge in the you know the immigration and things like that. So resilience is definitely uh, something that is even more important for us. Uh, but yeah, but for me, I actually moved down to the Bay Area after graduations. Um, and uh, that was taking a, a, a bit of uh, a bit of a lip of fit there because I figured that I should being in a city would be helpful for me. Uh, so I got into the Bay Area. I spent a few months um, getting to know people, networking, learning about companies. And in my case, I found that to be helpful because uh, I was interested in startup and technologies. And I found that um, that while that being plucked into that and going to events and reaching out to people uh, was really helpful for me to even know about uh, what opportunities were out there. Um, that is not to say that if you don't be, if you don't live there uh, physically, you can do that. But at least in my case, being on the ground uh, gave me at least um, like that motivation uh, to do something every day. Um, and especially true in the technology industry, I think people are very open. If you reach out and and if you want to learn about things, is it's very common that even people that are you know, having full-time jobs and everything, they would show up at uh, events after work. They would spend a lot of time networking and building um, relationship and learning about different industries and, and different things that people are working on. Um, that's not something that I that I did a lot uh, while I was working uh, before the MBA, but I realized that that's like absolutely common here. And and so I learned about uh, about getting out there and yeah and and so long story short uh, it takes some time but uh, at least for me being on the ground being out there just learning different things uh, eventually helped me to you know to make some progress even if at some point it really did feel like it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, I think those are really great kind of um, advice. And you know the last question which we ask all our um, guests is that is there if there's one thing you can one tips you can give to um, the e either current student or prospective student who are interested in working in the US what would be the one tips you would want to give to right them? Um, I think what I would say is uh, and I've have alluded to that a few times which is um, start small and try it out take a more experimental um, mindset um, because knowing that um, the destination can be some time away and uh, and it could be challenging, especially for international students, you might need to go through several opportunities and and go through a ton of rejections before you can find something that uh, that is a good fit for you. And that's that's still happening to uh, even to anyone that you know once you start working. By the way, so it's really not about you. It's it's really how it is done here um, and so like take the matter into your own hand and start small but you really don't have to be perfect because nobody has uh, the answer and, and for everyone it plays out differently so for some of my friends they just go online and apply it and and they they get uh, their dream job for some of us we network and we find out some of us learn about it from a friend of ours some of us learn about it from their network prior to the MBA program uh, but I think the the common denominator is that those people do something, right? Instead of uh, 
doing nothing. They decided to shoot out a bunch of emails, a bunch of uh, uh, LinkedIn requests. They jump on podcasts. They start a blog. They do something. And so, um, like, for example, what you guys are doing, talking to people, uh, this is like one of the examples that I think is great, uh, learning new perspective. Um, so get out there and like talk to people. And if you talk to one person, that might not be very useful. But if, if you end up talking to 50 people, then I can almost guarantee you that you would learn a lot about the companies um, and, and you'll learn a lot about the options out there for you. So I would encourage you to uh, to not be intimidated by uh, the process, but really just take a small step and um, and yeah, and, and get out there. And one thing I remember is that when I was in the MBA program, I think my career office, and I'm sure is a common thing in, in every MBA program, they told you that you need to get out there, you need to set up coffee chat, you need to... Um, refresh your resume so on and so forth and and to be honest with you i it doesn't make a lot of sense for me i'm like yeah sure it's still very sounded very theoretical uh but i think once that i got into that and i uh, and i got into the recruiting game and i moved on to the bay area i'm like oh i see what you're saying <laughs> i see why it's so important um to do that and to be more proactive uh but yeah start small if you do something every day for the next month or so then uh, you will take it from there um yeah and i think that's something that is different from how i see my my career and my development uh back in asia or prior to the mba now it's a lot more like i'm just gonna go out and do something and if it works out great if it doesn't then i'm mm-hmm. just gonna move on and and do other things you know <laughs> yeah those are really great tips um so really thank you for your time america i know it's uh friday afternoon you know um you probably like you mentioned you're gonna be traveling over the weekend so again thank you so much for taking the time i'm sure you're a great experience with us with our audience right and you no know, it's, it's been a, a joy talking to you guys and uh, thanks for having me uh, i think uh, the podcast is really helpful and hopefully um, at least with my experience it helps uh, if, if it helps any any of us uh, that'll be great um i mean happy to uh, to you know talk more if anyone wants to reach out to me. Um, I recognize that, you know, every individual and in, in our cases uh, will play out a bit differently. Uh, but yeah, all the best to your, um, the remaining time in your MBA. It goes by quickly and uh, you would miss this at some point. Um, but yeah, I am sure that you guys are exactly where you need to be. And it even if it can it can be challenging at times, uh, eventually it's going to work out, which is something else is that people told me uh, during my recruiting experience that uh, it's going to work out, you're going to find something. And uh, at some point I'm like, it really is not. Uh, but, you know, it will. It, it's just going to take some time and sometimes it can take a long time, but uh, you, it works out somehow. <laughs> All right. So today's show was with Eric Leung, Senior Manager of consulting and analytics at Visa. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. You can find us through all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. New episode comes up every Tuesday US time. Subscribe to our podcast, follow us on MB Asian Instagram and Facebook, and please share it with your friend. And stay tuned and see you next week.